Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. I remember being in school and uh, learning about the discovery of America and the exploration of the world. And uh, it was all done basically by ships. And uh, ships have been a major part of our economy, our commerce, everything, even in battle, war, warships. Uh, World War II, we find out, you know, there at Pearl Harbor, yes, it was airplanes, but those airplanes were sent off from ships. So ships have been a very important part of that. And today we, we're going to interview someone that is using ships for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Nathan, I've never been a boat or ship person. I have to be careful. I have motion sickness. And so the one or two times I've been on a larger ship going out to see something, I haven't taken the cruise. I have to get ready because of that. But it intrigues me to see sailboats, especially the clipper ships. Think about the pilgrims that came and think about Christopher Columbus that would use the ship to come over. Magellan going around the world, Drake, Yemen, all those. I I remember I had to name them all when I was, I think, sixth grade history is when I, I learned all of those names. But the ships were very important. And even today, they're important. Yeah. I mean, if you think about even just the history of missions and and mission work from earliest times, ships were one of the probably two primary modes of transportation for missionaries all the way up until probably less than the last hundred years. You know, missionaries would get on a ship and go across the ocean to another continent, another land, and proclaim the gospel. And recently with airplanes being developed, that's kind of become the priority travel mode now. But for thousands of years, it's been ships and boats and ocean liners. But ships can be used for God and for His glory. And the interview that we will get to later is that, and you'll hear more about that. But I was thinking of that early on, Paul's missionary journeys. Ships were involved in to get to Cyprus from Antioch, where they Paul and Barnabas went first. They had to take a ship to Cyprus and from Cyprus. Yeah, many times they would even choose to take a ship instead of another way of you know walking or or by horseback or something just for strategic purposes. Even in Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, Paul's going through a list of hardships he's in, experienced in his life. He says, uh, verse twenty-five: Three times I was beaten with rods; once I was pelted with stones; three times I was shipwrecked; I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And I'm not sure I'm not I'm not a hundred percent clear on the timeline of Second Corinthians, but this probably didn't even include at the end of uh, the book of Acts when I he was on his way you. to Rome. I agree with you. As best I could, the chronological order sometimes in Paul's, those experiences that he gave there, 
and putting it into the book of Acts, uh, you don't know everything. Luke recorded a lot of Paul's experiences, but not all of his experiences. But we call it the three missionary journeys. But the fourth journey he made, he made by ship. You find this in Acts 27 and 28. That's what you were referring to earlier. And I find it amazing that this ship, which was a, it really was two ships. He had to get on one and then change for another. But uh, he was headed to Rome, and that was part of his desire. And he didn't have to raise the money for that. Rome's, the Roman government paid his fee that time, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, when you're in God's will, it's God's bill. Have you heard that? (laughs) I have. So sometimes that works with uh, mission work. So Paul gets on the boat, and again, we can't go through the whole Bible study, but there is a wreck. But he had promised them, he said, if you won't desert the ship, if you'll stay, everybody stay on it, everybody will be delivered. And it became a, quote, mercy ship. Mm. And uh, that's who our interview is with. Now, these days, they're not necessarily taking the long journey, but they're going into a country and dock, and they'll stay there for months on end, and people come in and out to do ministry, teaching. Doctors, you'll hear more of that in the interview. But Nathan God, here he, again, we know he uses airplanes, but he's still using ships and it's different than it was, like you said, in the earlier days of carrying Adoniram Judson to India or Lottie Moon to China by ship, but they're still being used of God. Talking about the modern missions movement and some of those heroes, they would pack their belongings onto a ship in a coffin. That would be their suitcase. Their luggage was this coffin, and they would carry it with them, knowing that the only time they would return on a, on a ship back home at least planned, would be when they've already passed on and giving their lives for this call on their lives of carrying the gospel to peoples who have not yet heard it. So it's pretty interesting how you can trace the history of of ships, even in the Bible up until now, and here like in your interview with Mercy Ships, that God is using something like this to carry the gospel and the good news of Jesus. We praise the Lord for what God has done in the area of missions, and we do this program and have these interviews, not just for your information, but for your prayers, but also the possibility God might use you. Today on Exploring Missions, we have with us Gary Brandenburg with Mercy Ships, and I've heard about Mercy Ships for many, many years. And I've come to the National Religious Broadcasters uh, meeting, and I'd always see their booth. But today we get to talk with them, not just hear about them. And Gary, welcome to Exploring Missions. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, Mercy Ships has a great reputation of changing lives. You know, change lives physically, emotionally. When that happens many times, it leads to spiritual change you healing. Yeah. Mercy Ships kind of specializes in those areas, don't they? We do. Uh, the The idea is that when we go to a port in the most, the least resourced countries in the world, for example, we'll be in Liberia next year, there are 14 doctors for every million people. And just a Let, bit, let's, let's stop. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my brain had yeah. a little, I, I majored in math, and yeah, my yeah, mind yeah, there you go. it. 14 yes. doctors yes. 
for every million people. That's correct. And and if you just to put that in perspective, here in the U.S., uh, the literature says we have a doctor shortage, and we have one doctor for every 333 people. So you know they 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 uh, they really these least resourced countries uh, can't take care of their own people. So that's why there's a tremendous need in these places. So when we go, uh, we take our ships uh, and we have some of the best, uh, most gifted uh, medical people on board. They volunteer and we go and we sit in a port for 10 months and we just do as many surgeries as possible, as many dental procedures as possible, uh, orthopedic work. We do all of that there. But the most important work that we do is we do all of that with a local or a national a medical worker alongside so that they can learn some of these techniques. And people sometimes have said to me, why are there so many cleft palates in Africa? Well, there are not any more cleft palates there than there are in the U.S. It's just that in the U.S., we pay quick attention to those cleft palates and they're repaired before the child is a toddler. Whereas over there, they don't have anybody knows how to do cleft palate surgery. So the difference you make uh, in the physical realm you're also training those doctors to be able to continue on. So we're talking about the 14 doctors per million people. They're not as specialized in areas as many of ours is. We go to the doctor here in the United States. If it's something more than a cold, they usually send us to a specialist. Yeah, they do. Now, yeah. I'm exaggerating. No, you're right, though. But, yeah. you know, but they have nowhere to turn. Yeah. Yeah. And even their regular doctors may not be able to handle it. Yeah, that's exactly. And oftentimes they don't have the equipment. Uh, the modern equipment, or they don't have the, the medicines or whatever. So we go in there. And so basically we call that medical capacity building. Yes. What we believe is that the mission of, of the gospel, uh, that the command of Jesus in Matthew 28 is what I call spiritual capacity building. Yes. That basically we're to bring someone alongside, make disciples. So medical capacity building is bringing alongside someone who has an interest in the medical world, train them, teach them. And then what we do, because we work oftentimes in majority Muslim countries, what we do is we say, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God that Jesus talked about, he said, there won't be any lame people there. So we're going to fix some of your lame folks. Yeah. Uh, it says there won't be any blind people in the kingdom. So we're going to take care of those cataracts. And so basically we feel like our work is a, a sign or a foretaste of the kingdom uh, that Jesus was obsessed with as he taught his disciples. He constantly taught about the kingdom of God. First thing he talked about, last thing he talked about, and in between he kept saying the kingdom of God is like this. So we go and we demonstrate what that kingdom will look like, and uh, that's our entree into sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. Well, you work with local doctors in a situation like that. Are there local churches yeah. that that notice this, that are involved in it, and come yeah, along? Yeah, that's a good help? question, Bert, because most people think, for example, I was in Guinea a, a couple years ago, 90% uh, Muslim. So we decided, we, we befriended a, a local pastor, and we said, let's do a pastor's conference. Let's encourage some of these brothers that are, you know, really under yeah. pressure. So we, we did it, and we were praying that God would give us 100 pastors. We didn't know how many Christian pastors were in this Muslim city. And so we prayed for 100 pastors. And I got 100 compasses because we were doing a teaching on leadership and we were using four points of the compass as an illustration. And I got 100 compasses and I ran out because 250 pastors showed up. 
We, now, we, we didn't even now, know that. Go over this again. Let's go over the geography. Where? Guinea. In yeah. Guinea. Conakry. Yeah, it's Conakry, Guinea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably 90% Muslim. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God is at work. You know, some of the most isolated countries, God has his people that's, there. That's exactly right. And sometimes they go unnoticed, and maybe we don't know it, but God is at work. Yep. Well, let me ask this. The volunteers, the medical volunteers that work with you, uh, I... Sure, they have a heart for medical procedures. I got a feeling some of them are just medical and not Christian per se, but they want to make a difference. I'm guessing. Now, I figure so many of them or most of them are believers and they just want to help. Well, they, but that would make a difference. Yes. Even I, The reason I bring that up, I got an yeah. ulterior motive for that, <laughs> is, you know, when you bring people in like that and they see the difference that that's right. Made in the kingdom of God through the power of God. They know already uh, medically what what can happen. That really makes an impression on them, I would think. Yeah, that's right. As long as they have a heart and that for, first they have to understand why we do what we do. Yeah. So we, we, we fill them in on that. And then as long as they accept our code of conduct that we have on the ship, uh, they're welcome to come and serve. Yeah. And so you're right. We, we have a, we have a number of people that will come and then they're exposed to the Christian community. Yeah. And uh, and they come back. They just because they can't find that anywhere else. I, I mean, I just I, I did not know that, but I just wanted you're to dig right. in a little bit yeah. there. I think it tells us a little bit about missions here at home as well. Some people who are desiring to go further, you know, but they're not quite there because the book of Acts is filled with people like that. Paul would go and preach and it says he would go to the synagogue and some of the Jews would believe some would not. But right. guess what? Some would say we want to hear a little bit more about that for those that want to hear a little bit more. Uh, that means they're open. It doesn't mean they've come in. But it opens a lot of doors for continued ministry, does it? Yeah, you know, you know, I was a pastor for 40 years before I went to work with Mercy Ships. I've always been, uh, I've been involved with Mercy Ships for 30 of those 40 years. But uh, uh, one of the things that I learned as a pastor that in our culture today, a lot of people have to belong before they'll believe. So a lot of times they're attracted to that community if they see that that community uh, is a community that's real. Uh, and then as in the process, their, their beliefs start to change and they begin to think, you know, maybe this is true. Maybe this is real. And uh, so we see that on, on our shows. Yeah. It's biblical Jesus said, yeah, that's right. say your good works and they'll glorify that, my father who's in heaven. That's a, that's exactly and, right. Uh, I, I, have you ever, what would you, your past, you were a pastor, right? Yeah. Okay. Had you rather preach a sermon or, or watch a sermon? Oh yeah. You, you know, I'd rather hear. Yeah. Well, I think that's a frustration of all pastors as people that are, that, that are talking the talk, but they're not walking yeah. the walk. It so. is frustrating. Yeah. And, and yeah. guess what? I found out it's not just in of denominations. It's, oh, no, it's no. just because of who people are. Yeah. Going back to mercy ships, how long when a volunteer comes on, either nurse or doctor or technician, whoever it might be, how long do they serve? Different? Do, have, do they volunteer a certain time or do y'all demand a certain amount of time? It really depends on their specialty. If you're a maxillofacial surgeon, we'll take you for a week. Yeah. <laughs> because it's hard to find people that have those kinds of specialties and they can come in and then they'll do surgery all day, every day. And we can make a lot of progress doing that. If you want to work as a teacher in our academy, 
uh, we'd like you to be on board for a couple years. Yes. So it just depends on what role you play. Because we've got a lot of roles that are not medical. We have deckhands. Uh, we have uh, food services people. Uh, we have hospitality people. So it just depends on what the role is. But, but generally, we like to have people. I, I've had a lot of people say to me, boy, I'd love to come over there for a week or two and serve. That's difficult because you're in a difficult country to begin with. So just to get you from the airport to the ship and to go through all of the pro that process is difficult. And then by the time you get trained up and whatever it is that you're doing, you got to turn around and go back home. So we really like a commitment uh, of at least uh, a month or and, and in some cases we call long term commitment two years. So if a person's ready to spend a month or two uh, and serve, then there are, there are jobs for them. How does a person begin that process? They're listening to this program today, and they've got some skills they feel like they could, and they're financially able, or they're, as far as their age is concerned. Right. I, doing this program, I found out a lot of the new models is people that retire they can go and serve because they have income coming. They yeah. don't have near as much overhead, you know, and they can go and serve. How does someone, regardless, start the process? Well, the, the, the website is, is easy to use. It's mercyships.org. And just one word, mercyships.org. And if they go there, they can click on the area that talks about volunteering. And it'll list a number of categories that they can look at. And uh, it describes what those roles are. And they can take a look at that and then see if that's something they'd like to do. But you're, you're right. I mean, I'm in, I'm in my second career. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that uh, I thought I was moving out of the church. And I had handed over the role to a younger guy and uh, thought I was moving moving toward, uh, I don't believe in retirement, but I thought I was moving toward a different uh, phase of my life. And all of a sudden, uh, along came Mercy Ships and said, hey, would you come and serve as our... It's really retread, not retire. Re 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 <laughs> re uh, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of like that. I've pastored yeah. for right at 40 years, yeah. and I've come along here at AFR and yep. been on the radio now for about 10 years. And, and suddenly we found out we, we've got more energy than we thought we, we had, right, Bert? And, and my wife said the other day, he said, I think God spent all those 40 years preparing you for the last 10 yeah, years yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, right. because it's so fulfilling. Yeah. And I know that's true yeah. with you guys. How many ships are they with Mercy Ships? Well, over the over the course of Mercy Ships since the end of the 70s, we've had multiple ships. They get old, we trade them out, and uh, so right now we have two ships. Right. Uh, one we call the Africa Mercy. All of our ships up to uh, up to tomorrow, all of our ships have been uh, repurposed. So, like the Africa Mercy was a train ferry. And uh, we took the area where the trains were kept when they were ferried across the North Sea, and uh, we turned those into operating rooms. So that's a repurposed vessel. Yeah. Uh, but tomorrow, uh, we uh, our brand new Global Mercy uh, is going to be dedicated, and uh, that will have a crew of 650, 14 decks. Like uh, <laughs> Yeah. Is that Noah's Ark being re <laughs> refurbished? Uh, man. It's big. It's been, and it's built exactly the way we need it. Yeah. Uh, at $200 million, and it's all paid for. So we're thrilled about that. And so it hits the water tomorrow. We're really excited about getting in service. Wow. The, uh, okay, going to Africa. How many continents do you, do you have to have it being on the coast for you guys? And then you have to 
yeah. to dock. There, yeah, to dock. Like, obviously, a ship has to have a port, and and we're, we don't go anywhere where we're not invited. So a country invites us to come because with that comes a, a an agreement where they will help provide dock space. Uh, oftentimes, water. We need lots of water, and they'll provide the water for our ship. Uh, so there's usually an agreement like that, and we'll go and we'll stay. Uh, the average field service is about 10 months. But we do have people on the ground in these countries. We, we probably have projects right now in about eight countries, mostly in Africa, because, again, that's, that's the most needy place in the world okay. uh, on the west coast of Africa. Uh, so we'll, we have work going on, even though the ship is not there. Uh, we have surgeries that are still going on. We have a dental clinic in Guinea. Uh, we, we have a, a number of, and the beauty of it is some of that work, like at the dental clinic, is being carried on by people we trained. Okay. Uh, when we were there. So uh, it's port cities. It's Right now, it's almost always in Africa. I got involved, and we had a ship in the Caribbean basin. So we went to most of the Central American countries and did medical work. But that ship's no longer uh, in, in the Caribbean. So we're mostly on West Africa right now. Yeah. Well, has eight... Well, let me ask it this way. Countries that are... You're talking about Guinea, primarily Muslim... They still ask y'all guys to come. Oh, absolutely. We've got a great relationship. And they know, look, our, our view is every person has been created in the image of God. Right. And they're, and they're worth, they have worth before God. And, and they are, if they're sick, we need to represent the Lord Jesus and, and helping them get better. So uh, we don't get any problems with that uh, from the government. In fact, um, they're very sympathetic in most cases uh, to well, what the, we do. The people would see the failure of Islam. And when mercy ships come in and they see the, you know, the love, the compassion, and, and I would say the worth. Yeah. Uh, it would make a difference. I hear that's happening in Iran now because they found out yep. Islam just has failed every way. Government, home. Everywhere it's failed, and now more believers are in Iran than they've been before. And some of them have fled to places like Turkey, and and they're there underground, and they're being baptized. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So in fact, I had a young Islam uh, Islamic man, very intelligent, and he agreed to teach French on the ship. He'd come two nights a week, and anybody that wanted to learn French, because all the West Africa countries, most of them, uh, yeah. not Liberia, but most of them are French-speaking Francophone countries. So uh, he came two nights a week to teach French lessons. And one day he was on the ship and he came to me and he said, hey, uh, could I talk to you? And I said, sure. And so we sat down and he asked me, he said, you know, when when the ship first arrived, he said, I just couldn't figure out what your angle was. I didn't know <laughs> what it was that you Westerners. Now, we have people on the ship from 40 different nations that are are on our crew. So it's a very diverse group. Yeah. But he saw us all as Westerners. And he said, I couldn't figure out what your game was and what you guys were after. But he says, now that I've been involved for several weeks, he says, I'm amazed that you're doing this and you're not asking for anything. You're doing all of this for free. And he said, I, I, and then I know that this is about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. So I went back to the Old Testament thinking we had that in common and started walking him through the whole story of the redemption history. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I got Bert, here was, it was an amazing moment. I finally got to a place where I said, and Jesus came and God had a dilemma because he knew he had to punish our sin 
but he loved us too much to, to, to cast us out. And so Jesus came and offered forgiveness. And when I said the word forgiveness, now I'm not an Islamic scholar, so I don't know a lot about what they teach about forgiveness, but it was like a light went on and he just immediately sat up and said, yes, yes, forgiveness. Tell me about that. Guilt and punishment is what they made retribution, yes, that they sort of do. thing. So, and forgiveness just really man. apparently has no part. So yeah. uh, when he heard that, he wanted to know more about that. Those are the opportunities we get to be able to share the gospel. Well, Mercy Ships is making a difference in his kingdom. Yeah. We've been talking to Gary Brandenburg with Mercy Ships, pastor for several years and now being retreaded <laughs> as a spokesman for, for Mercy Ships. And we appreciate that so much. And again, what's the website? Mercyships.org. It's very simple. So as people are listening, they want to be a part of it financially, prayer, or even volunteer. They can start at that website and follow through and see what's exactly right. And Bert, frankly, we're not asking for money. We we've we have a, a very good budget. We probably half of our income comes from European countries, people that believe in what we're doing. Uh, but what we do need are volunteers. Volunteers. So if you're a nurse, a doctor, but we're talking about uh, educators. We're talking about go over that list one more time. Yes, yeah, so, I want to explore missions is about getting people involved in right. missions, not just learning yeah. something, but being involved. What? Give me a kind of a list before we go of yeah. what kind of volunteers it's, are it's, needed. It's a long list, but if you think about people living on a ship, 450 people on one ship, 650 people on the other ship. Everything that you could think of, like, for example, if you lived in a hotel, a community of people, you, you need people that understand maintenance. You need people that understand electricity. Uh, you need people that love to work in engines, like engineers. Uh, if they have any type of skill with maritime work, we love the, to ha have those folks come on board. Deckhands, uh, hospitality, people that take care of the getting cabins ready for the next volunteers coming in. Uh, reception. Uh, the, our, we have a wonderful academy. Academy with teachers that teach the children of the crew, and it's a very good uh, uh, program. And then uh, food services. I mean, we feed three meals a day, so people that are willing to do that. So there's any number of things. If, if you're interested in serving, just sign up. We'll figure out a place for you. Somebody that make a good cup of coffee would really have a good job. <laughs> well, believe there, it right? or not. Okay, Bert, you ready for this? <laughs> believe it or not, we have a Starbucks on our ships because our former chairman, I just talked to him this morning, the chairman of, of the board of Mercy Ships it was also the chairman of the board for Starbucks. Wow. So he went to the founder of Starbucks and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Starbucks on the ships. I'm going to, I'm going to put the coffee uh, shops on the ships, but I want you to provide a lifetime supply of coffee. And he said, I'll do it. Wow. So we have Starbucks. So all, about all the bad stuff we hear about some people, we see God's, God's work. Sure. Isn't God working behind the oh, scenes? All the time. Is, all isn't heaven going to be something yeah. when yeah. we find yeah. out we'll be, God's already connected yeah. those dots and we don't even see half right. of them. And yeah. one day, all of those dots are going to be connected and we're going to spend a, a time in heaven just yep. glorifying him. That's why, Bert, I say that everybody in heaven has a flat forehead because we'll walk around all the time slapping our head going, oh, now I see. You got it. I believe it. <laughs> Gary, thank you for being here. You're with welcome. Us. Thank you. Gary Brandenburg, Mercy Ships, been with us and we praise the Lord. If God has spoken to you about Mercy Ships, 
and about other missions. Don't wait. Do it now. Let God lead you into a world of missions where you can explore all the things that God has done.